Good morning, Grace. Good morning. Oh, that sounds better, sir. Thank you. All right. Hopefully, all of you drank your coffee. Uh, somebody gave me a joke today that they brought their lunch, their lunch with them. That's okay. <laughs> so back her up. Um, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you for giving us another day. Thank you for the breath of life. Thank you because of the miracle that we went to sleep and woke up. You drove us from our respective home to here, and we are here to be worshiping you today. We commit this hour to you. I pray that you give me the word of wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Let me be a vehicle that you use to communicate your word. I pray that you open the hearts of your people, that they may get something that can be building their lives as they live here today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, last week, uh, before I go, I'm going to say who I am because some people may be new here. Uh, my name is George Kenyanjui. I'm one of the elders here. And uh, I also teach Sunday school down here about emotional intelligence. For those who uh, would like to join us, you can join us there at uh, 845. Um, I have been in this church for quite a while now, probably 20-some years. My wife and I, kids went to school here, graduated, and now they are adults. And I'm glad every time I had to stand here and preach the word of God. Today, uh, last week, Elder Kevin talked about the Holy Spirit lead us to give thanks, how he lead us to give thanks. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, steps to a life propelled by gratitude, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse um, six through seven. Now, majority of us don't think much about Thanksgiving. We just think about it during the season. But I believe Thanksgiving should be an everyday thing that we do because of who God is. Um, several uh, weeks ago, knowing that I'm going to preach this message, uh, the school I teach at Grace, uh, now called Creation Grace. Um, I went to the sanctuary, and I opened the door, and it stood there. And out of 200 students who walked through there, the high school, no middle school or elementary high school, uh, only six people say thank you. Others look at me, they keep moving, they chit chatting. I don't know about you, but uh, when doors are open, they have to be propped, or they hit your face if you try to get in there. So I guess they thought that this door opened by itself. So I was just trying to make an experiment to see whether people realize what is happening and how they can give thanks. I think we have a generational problem. So I think we need, we need to educate our kids to give thanks for everything they have. Those kids walked and they didn't even say anything. That's bad. This is like you and I. Sometimes we God have given us things in our lives, but we don't give thanks. Colossians says this, Now that you have welcomed the anointed one, Jesus the Lord, into your lives, continue to journey with him and allow him to shape your lives. Let your roots grow deep, down deeply in him, and let him build you up on a firm foundation. Be strong in the faith, just as you are taught, and always spill over with thanks, thankfulness. Um, so my question here says, what is gratitude? Gratitude is a conscious, positive effort 
or emotion one can express when feeling thankful for something, whether tangible or intangible. Yeah, because somebody gave you something or did something that you did deserve, and you're thankful. They, they may have done something you deserve, but nevertheless, you have to say thanks. So that giving should not be a seasonal thing that we do. It should be a lifestyle of a believer. But sometimes we can't do this. We don't realize where we come from and where we are and where we are going and who have facilitated all that. Therefore, today, we are going to look at steps that gives us the rationale for that giving. Somebody said, gratitude as a noun is the key that unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a, a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude also is a powerful catalyst for happiness. It sparks the spark that lights the fire of joy in our soul. Gratitude is a tool we all have in our disposal. In essence, we can use it in time to improve our well-being and others. In fact, psychologists are going to tell you this. The more you start things see things in a positive way and be thankful, the more you're going to lift your spirit. I'm not a psychologist, but I found that in psychology and all that. And in fact, the book of Philippians has something to say about that. Now, since you have ability to give others this part of gratitude to express gratitude in your life, why don't we do it? Because sometimes we take it for granted. We don't think much about it. But the bottom line is, Gratitude is something that turns what we have to enough and more. It also denies, uh, into, uh, excuse me, it also turns denial to acceptance and chaos into order, confusion to clarity. It makes sense of the past, brings peace today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Somebody said that. I didn't say that, but that's a fact. Now, before I go on, I'm going to call Nikki and carry so they can give us what God have done for them and why they have been thankful. Can I give it a couple of minutes? Hi. So, um, when Dennis asked what I was thankful for this year, like the first thing that came to my mind was my family, because that's, we're all thankful for our family. But I felt like, as much as it's true, it was a little bit cliche. So I decided to dig deep and really pray and think about it, what I was thankful for this year. And what I came up with was that I'm thankful that God prevails, no matter what. Because this year, for our family, was filled with a lot of unknowns and now change and it was probably the first time in my adult life that I could really feel the devil attacking us and there were definitely times in there where I was just like I don't know if we're going to come back from this this sucks and I'm just thankful that God is stronger and he's always stronger than the devil and he will always prevail so my thankfulness this year is that I know that God stood by us and he always will stand by us and Thanks to him, we get to finish the year together as a family, stronger than ever, and we 
beat the devil like we always will. Good morning. The topic of the day is gratitude. Before I make a few remarks about gratitude, please allow me to thank the Almighty God for the life I have today. Oops, where are my reading glasses? Uh oh. <laughs> I'm grateful for my reading glasses most days. Um, he has been with me through thick and th yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, baby. Moving on. Um, he has been with me through thick and thin, answering my prayers along the way. The answering of my prayers is my testimony, the tangible evidence of his existence and his promises fulfilled, both in the world at large and in my own life. His grace, love, and protection have given me the life I have today. I am blessed beyond what I deserve, for without him, I would be one more lost soul. Many of you do not know me. I am a new member of Grace. I should back up and share that my first visit was on this past Memorial Day. The video honoring our men and women in uniform really got me. It reminded me how Jesus sacrificed everything for us. The message resonated and I knew I wanted to return. I found my people, I was home. I also saw love around me, kindness and peacefulness I could see. I wanted to come back and find a way to use my talents to serve in some capacity. God commands his believers to share the gospel, the Great Commission, and I am eager to join this work in the new year. I also saw, la, 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 I already said that. I am getting to know some familiar faces. Serving as greeter at the front door is good for me in order to meet new people. I am very grateful for this fellowship. In August, Dana, uh, Pastor um, Newsom's wife, Dana, uh, Roxy, um, a lady I happened to sit next to one day, um, Roxy and I formed a life group. This has become very important in my schedule. I call Dana my scholar, <laughs> as she is able to find answers to all my questions. I am grateful she is such a competent partner. I'm grateful for my new friends. In October, I was with a group that hung door tags, welcoming neighbors to grace. It was a glorious autumn morning, and the fellowship that day is a fond memory. The conversations that day were really inspirational. I'll never forget it. Again, reminding me that I belonged at grace. Ultimately, what I am most grateful for is that there is a blueprint, the Bible. As the world begins to fall together, not apart, I understand that we live in critical times hard to deal with. Knowing this as prophecy eases the fear of the day. Knowing God allows this is comforting, as I believe there are no coincidences. I know today nothing in, happens in God's world by mistake. I'm grateful for grace as this church delivers the truth consistently, week after week. I enjoy the variety of messengers and their delivery styles, and each shares a personal story to accompany their message. You will not find me nodding off. I am so grateful to have found this wonderful church. You all have made me feel very welcome. Thank you, Dennis, or Elder Fay, um, for allowing me to share my gratitude this morning in this wonderful season. This is my favorite time of year. I'm grateful for my husband and, Stan and Stanley and Sydney, our two children. They're adults now. 
And then just to take a quick moment, um, I found some scriptures this week, and I'm going to pray on, meditate on them this week and start on the holidays, but um, there's a few, and if you don't mind me just sharing a couple. Okay. I will leave off with this, some passages I found while creating my message for you. It reads, the Father wants his children's lives to be characterized by gratefulness. His word tells us that an appreciative attitude should be evident in our worship. Psalm 95, verses 2 to 7 uh, Colossians 3.16, in giving, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 9-12, to relationships, um, Philippians 1 verses 1 to 3, and the way we approach spiritual battles. I know we both have had them. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15.55 through 57. In other words, thankfulness should permeate everything we do, and that's Romans 14.6. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki and uh, Carrie. Uh, I'm, great, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that all of you here can have something to thank God for, and I can't call of you. So we're going to, uh, actually she preached the message so I can go home now. No, no. But, but, but how do we give thanks? Why do we give thanks? There is a process. So I'm going to give you five steps that you can understand why we give thanks. Number one, in order to give thanks, you have to give thanks based on someone or something which have happened to you. Number one, Acknowledge Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior, according to Colossians. It says, the one that you received, you're giving thanks because he gave you repentance. Repentance is change your mind, change your heart from one direction to another. In this case, because Christ received you and died for you, now you have been able to be thankful that you're not going to spend eternity in lake of fire. Hello? Apparently, some of you want to be there. I'm not going to be with you there. So, I'm thankful that I don't have to spend eternity in the fire, don't you? Amen. Okay. So, I'm just wondering whether I'm in the right church today. Now, surrendering our life to Christ is giving him control over our what? Our life. That's what it's all about. So, we repent according to uh, book of Aspira saying that we need to be able to uh, come in a book of Acts, re repent and confess our sin. Romans tells us that uh, by heart a man believes and confesses with his mouth and he shall be saved. And based on that, then we can go to the next step. The next step is improve, involve trust. Uh, the word trust comes from a banking term called fiduciary or fiduciary, where the banking system we trust our money with the bank of people we don't know. We go there because they have a nice sign, a look, nice beautiful building. Therefore, they must be honest. Doesn't mean they're always honest. So we put our money there and we expect it to be there. In this case, Christ is your bank. You can trust in him. You, whatever he says, you can take it to the bank and cash it out. Come from Latin word called uh, fidea fiducia, meaning faith we trust. In essence, when I place my, all my faith in Christ, and that's part of the component that helped me to know that he is a deliverer, 
and what he said is going to be, and I can trust in him, and I don't have to, to die and go to lake of fire. According to Ephesians, it tells us that for grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, you can do many things, but if your many things that you do are good enough, Jesus will not have come. But since your works are not good enough, and you can't deliver yourself, and I couldn't deliver myself, therefore Jesus came so he can give you a way out. Amen. Therefore, I'm thankful for a way out. And not only the way out, he gave me way out all the time. Because we mess up all the time, don't we? And he forgives. So I'm thankful that he forgives every time. But your of us are not always forgiving. But he says, as you're forgiven, so forgive. So, based on that, you know that you have eternal life. Second, you have surrender. Majority of you were driven, either you drove here, or you entered the car that somebody else was driving. When you entered that car, you gave your freedom, and you surrendered to what that person is going to do. You don't know whether they are crazy, they are going to drive over the wall, or hit other cars, but you gave your surrender and, and will to that person to drive you. In essence, you trusted them. So, surrender means you give it all to Christ who is able to deliver you. So, we need to understand that this is a total submission to the Almighty God, and He is in control, and He knows the best, and we don't know the best, and He knows the future, He knows the next minute, so you can trust and surrender your life to Him and your will, and you drive the car instead of you being the driver, and you don't know where you're driving. And now, I'm sure you've seen some drivers who either they don't, want, they don't know where they're going to go this way or that way, and, and I know sometimes you get frustrated about that. Uh, imagine, put yourself in that shoe that it is you who is trying to go through life without knowing where you're going, but Christ knows. That's the best thing about it. Yes. Now, the Bible also tells us that we need to present our lives to him every day. This is an ongoing on. The, vast, the, the Greek word that you see is, is a continual ongoing things that you put it, your body in sacrifice for Christ, not to be conformed by this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind so that you may know the good will and pleasing to God. Now, some people say, I don't know the will of God. The question I'm going to ask, how much have you sacrificed yourself? Some of us have burnt, burnt hands because we, we, you're taking the sacrifice from the grill. Yeah? So, yeah, whenever you're doing things by your own self, you have not sacrificed it. Whenever you have left some compartments of your life that are taken over by your will, your will and your desire, that is not God doing that, it's you. And we need to understand that. Uh, the next thing is talking about roots. Uh, Paul uses various metaphors. Number one, he uses being rooted, a tree. Look at that tree there. See the roots? They are strong. They are even stronger than the tree that is standing up. Because in order for that tree to, start to stand, it has to have strong roots, and that means it has to go, in order to go upwards, it has to go downward first. And in order to do that, it has to be in a good soil. And it will be cultivated. It needs to have a proper climate. In that sense, this our belief system, ladies and gentlemen, your belief system and your worldview are going to determine how well you're going to hold up whenever the storm and the wind and the chaos of life comes. Now, I'm sure all of you have trials. And do you know that trials doesn't, don't just come from people you don't know? Mostly they come with people you interact with, your spouse, 
your kids, your husband, your former husband or your former wife, uh, or your co-workers, or your colleague, or your church members. Or once in a while, the guy in highway may cut, or you, cut you off, but Satan uses mostly the people you know. Did you know that? So, or Satan attacks the people you know. Those are part of trial. But Paul is talking about to be rooted, to go downward. In order for a building to go up, or a tree to go up, it has to go down first. To solidify itself. So, as a believer, our foundation is in Christ. And if you eat, sleep, breathe the word of God, then you're going to know what God wants you to do and be able to grow in him. Now, today's song talks about a tree and a cornerstone and everything else. Paul uses a metaphor, and uh, I happened to see this, and I thought it was nice. Now, not only nice, it has seven steps on it. Now, number seven in the Bible, so perfection. Now, this is an apple tree. I'm sure you all like apples. I don't know whether you're allergic to apples, but I love apples. Now, they're good. You can eat it in the meantime. You don't have to cook them unless you're fixing a pie. Now, this agricultural metaphor is talking about a root that goes down in order for whatever going to come up to be able to stand and not fall apart. Notice there are seven steps. You have the seed, uh, you have the uh, the sprouting seed, you have the sprout, and continue all the way to the big tree, which is complete the cycle, and then you can have the apple to eat it. Now, consider this your life. Do you have a conducive an environment for Jesus in your heart in order for you to grow? Uh, this is something you and I have to do. God is not going to do it for you uh, because he expects some of us to do that. Now, this root has to have an excellent soil, seed, a well-prepared, fertile soil. It has to have a proper climate. Uh, it had to have a, a proper cultivating. It had to be pruned. And I just brought some tools here. Let me see whether I can remember something. No, somebody told me the other day, oh, you didn't bring your tools. Uh, today I have some tools, so let's see. Uh, in order for the, the tree to grow well, I grew up in a farm, you had to prune it. You had to remove all the stuff that are dead weight in order for that branch to grow the fruit that you want. We had about 10 acres of various fruits, so we had to go there, get manure from the cow, and put it around, and cut everything else that needed to be cut so that when it grow up, it can be steady and firm, and you can see that juicy fruit coming up. Now, I'm talking about when you eat and drink the Word of God, you should have a solid Christian life that should reflect that tree that it shows all the fruit that you need to have. So, the question is, do you have that? And these produce thankfulness because of what God is doing in your life. And gratitude because producing lifestyle. Notice the roots had to go deep to, produ to produce what we call stability. Stability means that you're stable in your walk with God. You're not wishy-washy. You're not swept. Whenever somebody tells you something, oh, yeah, okay, we can go that way. And you go this way. You can say and say, look, that's not what the Bible says. I'm not going to do that. This is what the Word of God says. You can do that, but I'm not with you. So because you know what you believe, during challenging times, you know how your attitude is going to be. Your attitude is not going to be with the people, whatever they say or they don't say. You're going to go with the master and what he says about whatever it is that you're facing. 
Uh, second day is to have what we call spiritual nourishment. When a tree is growing, it has to have what we call photosynthesis. It processes food and it brings it up through all the way. Did you know that tree is one of the most important creatures, a tree that you've ever known? How, how God did it, I don't know, but it's a miracle. Even if it's 100 feet tall, the water goes away of the tree tall. Defying gravity. You don't see dead trees on top because the water all goes all the way and produce everything and the roots are nice and the leaves are nice. And it talks about, in the book, uh, book of Matthew, it's talking about that people who are planted by the side of the water, they produce it in season and out of season. You remember Jesus casting uh, an olive tree? Yeah. Why? Because it was in season, it wasn't producing. The question I have for you is it, is it because you're not giving thanks that we're not producing anything? Did you know I noticed, have you ever prayed to God without asking something? Just giving thanks? How was your life after that? It changes you. Because you're just giving thanks, it lifts your spirit, it lifts your attitude, all the problems seem to go away because God has put it that way, that we should be able to give thanks to him. And this cannot come by chance. You're going to have to work at it. The next is not only to go down, what we have to go up. Some of the, true, the, 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 the roots are solidified, then something had to go up. Uh, it's important that Paul talks about building. He changed it from a tree to what? A building. I'm sure all of you know what the building is. Now, if you don't have a building, probably you came from a shack, but it's the building, wherever, wherever you came from, it had a foundation on it, whether weak or good, it was there. So whenever you're building, you can have a proper foundation. And that foundation has all the elements of the material that is needed to put it into proper perspective. That building there, if you look at it, it has a, before you put the wood, then you have the cement and everything, and uh, you have the cornerstone that is supposed to be going accordingly. Today we sang about the cornerstone. According to Ephesians, it tells us that, that during our conversion, we were converted, but we don't live there. We grow because Christ is a part of that. Notice the last part of that verse says, Christ is the chief cornerstone. Now, I tried to check these things out to figure out what they were talking about. Now, do you find something peculiar about that cornerstone? What do they look? Like a cross. Did you know I looked, majority of them look like that? Why? That thing, it gave stability. It gave the alignment of the compass. So now this uh, have a, the balance, so now it has some uh, liquid in here. So when you put it and it's going the other way, meaning it's not balanced, you have to balance until it's in the center so that it can give frame of reference. Uh, Christ Jesus, being the cornerstone, give you the alignment of your beliefs, why you do things the way you do them, your ethics, your worldview, and the whole thing that goes on in your life. And if Christ is not a part of your cornerstone, then you have a problem. Because your life is going to be in a chaos. Now, chaos, which is not good, uh, they can be chaos when you're in Christ, but since your foundation is solidified, then you're not going to feed it much, 
Yes, there are going to be pain and aches and what have you, but you're not going to be decimated. So, notice what it says about the symbolism about these. It says this, that the cornerstone symbolic term is often used as a figurative. It represents something fundamental, essential, key to elements upon which something else is built or depend on. When it comes to religious beliefs, here to speak, or philosophical speaking, you're talking about it serves the principles or beliefs or values that lay the foundation for a person's worldview. How you see things, how you apply things. In this case, Christianity, Jesus Christ is the foundation because it's by him that Christianity is founded. Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. That's the clear difference between Christianity and other religions. We classify as a religion because we want to, but it's not. Religion, if you look, read the book of Colossians, it says it's man-made philosophies and a culture and what we think. But when it comes to Christianity, it's what Jesus Christ thinks and does. And we are in Christ. We are put in the proper place. In this case, notice what it's saying here. Cornerstone conveys the idea of something integral, indispensable, fundamental to a structure or a system. Without the cornerstone, the building falls. It gave the alignment and frame of reference, so everything you do, you do it accordingly. I have a, uh, my wife has a sister in Canada. Probably she's listening to the message that is now online. But she's building this big house. She has been building for a while. And every time she goes, they didn't put it right. She said, take it down. Yeah, they had to start all over again. Now, if you have a proper cornerstone, then you know the frame of reference and where you want it to go. Apparently, she does, because she just said, take it down. Now, why am I saying this? Some things we build in our lives, they don't measure up, do they? So, when Christ comes and point finger through the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have to take them down. That's it. You have to do surgery. And surgery is not that easy. It cuts. It feels pain. Now, some of you may need uh, an example here, let's see. Maybe you're going through something. Have you ever asked why you're going through that? Probably you need some little cutting, you know. Now, you hear that sound? Probably that may be you. Uh, maybe probably you don't need this. Uh, probably maybe you need some... You need some dusting. You have not cleaned up properly, you know. And probably it's have, the dust has been there. Yesterday I was cleaning down here in the refrigerator, and there were some things in there which I had to get uh, something to scrub. Until I got hot water and a soap and a scrubber, it didn't work. Now, sometimes Jesus will come and scrub to make it nice, and it's not going to be petty when you're feeding it. You're going to be crying and whining, but guess what? The master has to do the work, so to speak. Uh... Notice what I found. I need some water. So ah, probably someone needs some water. <laughs> probably you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand? Yeah. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Probably that's what you need to move to move the next level. Um, now, the next thing here is very important. Uh, now that is Leo. In case you don't know. That's called a dynamic tower in Dubai. I'm taking you to Dubai now. You don't have to be there, but I can take you online to Dubai. So that's a 1,338 feet. This was designed to be built during COVID. 
But now they have not built it. They're starting to build it. That, the reason I call it dynamic tower is because it's a revolve 360 degrees according to the sun. So also you can command it with your voice or remote. Yeah, they're building it. So you can have all the view that you want. Now, why did I put it there? I say, your life in Christ, the ever-dynamic masterpiece in Christ. If you're going to be static, not in Christ. Because remember what Jesus said. Either you're hot or you're cold. You can't be lukewarm. He said, I will spew you. So where are you? Now, you wonder why you're not thankful. Because probably your life is taken over by other things. But remember, a believer's life... When aligned with the Christ and his teaching, it's not static, but constantly renewing and improving. It is likened to a masterpiece, implying that it is a work of art. It is continually being refined and perfected through relationship with Jesus Christ. It highlights the idea of personal growth, transformation, and ongoing journey of faith for individual who is committed according to Christian principles. Uh, the book of Isaiah talks about this also. Now, this is where it gets tough. When you've been shaped, you may like your shape, but your shape is not that great. But Jesus comes, I'm talking spiritually, I'm not talking physically. <laughs> so don't get, don't get me wrong. Or maybe you look outside nicely, but inside, some demolition needs to be done. And God comes there and breaks it down and put the craze and start doing all kinds of stuff, and you're going to be experiencing a lot of pain. Uh, when I became a Christian, somebody told me, oh, you're not going to have any more trouble. That's a lie. Did you know when you become a Christian that the devil come out of woodwork? The moment you promise you're not going to do anything, now he brings the person who's going to make you do it, entice you. That's a life. So, Book of Isaiah says, Now, O Lord, you are our Father, you are the, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. God is fashioning you to become an instrument or a vessel that can sing praises and thankfulness to God with gratitude because of what he is doing now, what he's going to do in the past, we are done in the past, and what he's going to do in the future. And since you're a child of God, do you have a choice? Yeah, you have a choice. But it's going to be with a lot of heartache. Because how many of you are parents allow your kids to do whatever they want? Do you? Do you allow oh, some, some parents do? I'm a teacher, so I know. Now, <laughs> but when they come to my classroom, I tell them, that door swings both ways. You can be in here because you're going to follow my rules, or you can be outside because you don't follow my rules. It's what it is. So God is not going to allow you to do whatever you want if you are a leader saved because the book of Hebrews says those are his children he chastens or spank. He says also, if you evil fathers know how to discipline your kids, how much more God who know better than you do? So remember... This is a structured life. God is trying to give you structure by giving, building one's life in Christ involving one's structures, actions and decisions, values aligned with his teaching example. These include his commandments, his love, and on and on it goes. 
Romans, is, we covered a few minutes ago, talks about being transformed. Transformation doesn't come easy. You're trying to change from something to something. In this case, you are trying to imitate the master. And a master had to do his work so that you can be conformed, transformed to his image. Uh, number four, not only that, we had to grow inward. Not only we had to go deep and go up, we had to grow what? Inward. We had to grow in faith, grounded in our conviction and beliefs. If I ask you, what do you believe and why do you believe it? Some of you might not tell me. Now, if you don't know why you believe what you believe, how are you going to communicate it? How are you going to defend yourself? The best and the most effective weapon for a believer is the Word of God. Jesus was tempted several times, but in the book of Matthew, he gives you three different temptations to give you an example how to overcome. Not just for sake of showing that Jesus was tougher than you, but he is telling you how to use the Word of God. Your Word have I hidden in my heart so I might show gratitude by thanking you and being able to do things that you are called to me to do. God says this in the book of Ephesians 2, uh, 10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do good things he has planned long ago. God is no amateur porter but an artisan who already began to shape us into a masterpiece. God sees our potential when we don't. Yeah, so we better get in the light and because God is going to create what he wants to create in you so that you can be productive and also notice what happens. Your faith is going to be unwavering. The book of James is very clear about this. Whoever is wavering in their faith, they cannot get anything from God. Now, sometimes God wants to bless you, but since you're not solidifying him, you are wish-wash, you are here. Have you, and some of you go to Ocean City. You, some of us are like that ocean. The water is going over the place. You're not consistent. So God is saying you need to be steadfast also in your faith. That means unmovable. A tree or a building which is solidified, the weed is going to come, the storm is going to come, but it's going to fall down because Jesus said it in Matthew, said, whoever hears these my words, he is a recognized man who built his foundation in a stone. And the weed came, the storm came, the rain came, but it never fell. He's talking about himself. The next thing here is, if you're not going to do what God wants you to do, somebody else is going to help you. Satan is already waiting to help you. Yeah, it says, Rosie says here, build your own dreams or someone else will hire you to build theirs. Christ, notice Satan here, Satan is always ready and looking for individuals to serve his purpose. In other words, he can take your talent, your skill, your time, your body, and resources to him. And the consequences are going to be there because you can look at the Garden of Eden as a historical part, fact to see what happened because when we give this to Satan, what he does with it. Number five, we need to grow what? Outward. This is overflowing with what? Thoughtfulness because of the previous steps. If you notice, Paul is building upon each other. Now, because of what has happened through all these, and you have not failed in all those steps, now you are able to do what? 
Glorify God and give thanks with gratitude. It become a lifestyle. That's what he's talking about. Notice the word overflow. Now, by acknowledging God's blessings and recognizing what he does for you, uh, for those who don't know, this river Nile, during off-season, when it's overflowing, river Nile consists of two rivers. One start from... White Nile starts from Lake Victoria in Uganda, Tanzania, uh, Uganda, East Africa, all the way to southern Sudan, Khartoum, capital, northern Sudan. And, white, and Blue Nile starts from Lake Tana in Ethiopia and join White Nile in Khartoum. It becomes one body water and go all the way to Nile Delta. That's what you're looking at. That. It covers all the building. Paul is using his analogy to tell you this. Jesus said, those who believe him, they will drink and they will have flows of water coming out of them. Talking about life-giving in this case. That you're going to be oozing out the word of God and the goodness and that goodness that comes from you living the lifestyle that you should. This is expressing gratitude through prayer, praises. Today we were thanking God for whatever. Some of us are not singing. Some of us were singing. Some of us were standing. I don't know whether you're singing or not, but... It shows exuberance for what God has done for you and for your life. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's talking about. Then, a river is a picture, it's a word picture of a bursting of its bank, overflowing with actfulness, as we receive instruction in biblical truth, should produce inner joy. Notice the word I used. I didn't use happiness. Joy. Joy has nothing to do with you. That is a fruit of the Spirit if you read the book of Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit are given to believers who have come to Jesus Christ. Because when you became a believer, you received the giver, the Holy Spirit. And the giver come with those gifts. So he gave you the fruit of the Spirit, which is one of this joy. In spite of the problem that you're going through, you're going to find yourself joyful. And flow with gratitude. Uh, for me, I'm going to tell you this. Those are two testimonies. We have gone through lake of fire. I'm going to say that. That's the word I can use. Uh, a year ago or two, you call, somebody calls you and says, Hey, uh, mom, I have been short. I'm calling to say goodbye because I'm not going to make it. Uh, that's your daughter calling you to tell you that somebody just out of where just shot them. And not just one bullet, several bullets. Now, how do you take that? Uh, then you, you know, in a 2 a.m. in the hospital to wonder whether they're going to be able to do surgery and all kind of stuff. But she is still with us, our daughter. But we are grateful. We are not grateful for what happened, but we are grateful she's still alive. Another phone call comes. Hey, your son was found walking among the cars. You go, find that your momentum breakdown. He's in hospital. He couldn't graduate from school. He, he went again and he just graduated. I, am I able to be thankful? Yes. Because those cars could have hit him, but they didn't. But he's still alive. Am I thankful for that day? No. But I can still give gratitude to God because of his blessings. I can be give gratitude because I can stand my two feet and I can use my tongue to speak. It's the little things. Name your blessings, name them one by one, 
and thank God for what you have, big or small, because he created you to glorify him. And that is part of our lifestyle. Somebody said this. Notice what Ken Hughes said. A vanquished spirit betrays a life which is no longer focusing on the greatness of Christ. Are you focusing on the greatness of Christ? Or you're focusing on your problem? Application. So how do you do about this? Notice these three things. Embrace your identity and discover your purpose. God has created you as his child. That's your identity. Not what people tell you. Because some of us identify ourselves by being a woman or being a man or being a career or my father or, or this job or that. No, you're a child of God. Behold, you're fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose. Second, cultivate a spirit of growth and act intentionally. It ain't going to happen by itself. Don't just lay down there, God, just walk on me. doesn't work that way. You're going to have to be cooperating with him. Got it? How does that work? You read the word, you see some areas that the word of God is pointing you to change, and the Holy Spirit convicts you, change. It's not going to be easy, but you have to change. Then, because you're growing, you need to share your faith, serve others, and remain humble because this is not what you're doing. This is the grace of God that you're doing, and you can be grateful for it. So, and it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, and every breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord and hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, since you have heard the message, take it to heart, apply it, leave it, and see what God can do. Do not just be grateful during Thanksgiving. Be grateful every moment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for being with us today. I pray... Uh, as I, as I pray, I need elders to come up to pray, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for being gracious to us. We thank you for your message. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the breath of life. We thank you for this day of uh, this season of Thanksgiving. Help us not to be seasonal in our Thanksgiving, but also to be giving thanks in every minute. As you have said, let everything that has breath praise you. And we commit this hour to you as we go to our respective homes or whatever we had to do. And during this week of Thanksgiving, be with us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are dismissed. We are dismissed.